like from like late freshman year to maybe like junior like early to mid junior year of high school uh not i didn't i don't really tell a lot of people but um my best friend at least like in you i would or like kind of like felt that i was not okay um and and that's that's why like i kind of used a self harm as like a coping mechanism uh i used to um it just like i felt like it was the one thing i could control like mm. one thing i could do to myself that i can control in in a sense um which i know isn't isn't good at all um but i you know i eventually i eventually got out of it um when everyone is a stranger until you know their story The Power of Good Intentions is a show about people, their stories, challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. This show is here to remind you that there is always a path forward and that good things happen to people who have a good heart. I am Aliou Sidibe and I am your host. Hey, it's Aliou and I just want to take a moment to say how much I appreciate you for listening to the show. If you found the podcast inspiring, interesting, motivating, or heartwarming, if there is one person, maybe a friend or family member who you think will appreciate the show, please take a moment and share it with them because sharing is caring and good stories are meant to be shared. In today's episode, we are going to the Philippines and then to Los Angeles, California. We will be discussing this human need we all have, which is the need to belong and to feel accepted for who you are. There is, of course, a difference between belonging and trying to fit in with the crowd. While the first one allows you to be yourself and connect with other people who love you for who you are, the second one requires you to change in order to feel accepted. And with today's guest, who is an assistant director and filmmaker in Los Angeles, California, we'll be exploring both of these concepts. She grew up in the Philippines before coming to the US to join her dad who left a few years before. And her transition from the Philippines to the US was not the easiest. She got to a point later in her teenage years where she had to deal with self-harm and negative thoughts that were preventing her from seeing clearly. She was eventually able to get past those challenges and in today's episode, she lets us in her journey by opening up and sharing some of the challenges she faced and more especially, the principles she used to deal with her challenges. Hi Patricia, thank you so much for being with me today on the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for joining. Or thank you so much for having me. <laughs> you can call me Patty by the way. Okay, Patty. So, the first question I want to ask is where did you grow up first mm -hmm. and what were, you know, what was the environment like and the early beliefs that you had in your life? Um, so I grew up in the Philippines. Uh, I was born in halfway there um, till I was about eight years old, and then I moved to um, I moved to California in the U.S. Um, and I, so I would say like my childhood was is split into like two different kind of different kinds of environments. Um, I'd say in in the Philippines um, I was. 
I was very taken care of. Um, I had a lot of relatives and um, like housekeepers uh, always taking care of me and my sister, uh, especially since my mom was working a lot. And my dad, my dad was around for a bit, but um, when I was about three years old, uh, he found a job opportunity in California. Um, so I, um, I was kind of without my dad for a little chunk of my childhood. But that's what actually prompted us to move to the U.S. was because he was already there. And after um, after a few years, so my mom just decided that we should be together as a family. So we made the made the jump and moved here. What was like a typical day like in your household growing up in the Philippines? A typical day. Um, I mean, like when when I had. School, When I had school, um, I would have like kind of like a like a transport transportation kind of service pick me up mm -hmm. um, and just like take me to school and then same thing, take me back. Um, and I would just um, I, would, I would do do my own do my own homework um, at home. And um, one of the one of the housekeepers would probably help me and then just wait for my mom to get home. Um, and then if I wasn't at school. Um, I, I just be at home a lot. Um, I had a bunch of like random, random toys as a kid, um, which actually <laughs> ranged from like, like tea sets to toy cars to like a, a bunch of, a bunch of like random things. Um, and then, uh, I actually, I, I used a, a karaoke machine a lot. Um, so I actually started singing when I was three. Um, so if I was just home, I would just always have the karaoke machine on, um, unaware of how loud the volume was. And apparently <laughs> my mom was getting shit from the neighbors and saying, oh, it's only morning and she's at it again. <laughs> so, were you yeah. were you like hoping to become a singer when you grow up? Um, not really. I just I just kind of did it because I liked it. <laughs> Um, yeah. and then I, I watched, I watched a lot of Disney movies, um, mm -hmm. on, on like VHS tapes. Um, so I think that's actually how I learned English was just from watching so many movies as, Got it. as <laughs> okay. So one, actually one thing I, I want to do is now, obviously we're going to talk about the progression to where you are today, but I want to first, you know, hear about you today, like the grown woman you became and obviously you're still growing every day but like where are you currently in your life then we're gonna go back and kind of see how you got to be where you are today so like can you just talk about like today who is patty today yeah sure patty today patty today is 24 years old she is i'm a i'm a filmmaker i'm a film and video editor and an assistant director and i also work at a video marketing agency as an associate producer uh so i do do a lot of production um, i do a lot of post-production um, and then when i'm not working playing music making music go on hikes a lot go to music festivals because i love i love live music and i love connecting with people and and just like being together with people while that obviously can't happen right now um, <laughs> um I'm, i'm actually still pretty amazed at how how connected people are are staying like virtually uh so yeah. it's cool i have a sister that's five years younger than me she currently lives in san francisco miss her a little bit but yeah 
party today. <laughs> okay, so one one thing I'm getting is that the party today kept some of the, I guess, uh, values and goals that the young party had. Like you were singing when you were a kid and the neighbors were complaining. And now, you know, you're still singing. Hopefully no one is complaining, but you you still have that artistic side of you since you're, yeah. you know, you're a filmmaker. Yeah. So to get to, you know, like the day, first time you come to Cali and you're moving here like permanently to like where you are today. So like, I know there, there must have been like a lot of challenges that you that you had to face. So like, can you share, you know, some of the challenges that you face and the challenges that especially you believe define you as a person? Um, no, yeah, well, like I said, um, it did take a little bit for me uh, to kind of realize where my place was growing up. Challenges here and there would, um, would just be stuff like I'm um, trying to fit in with Uh, with other kids at school and then like every you know like as I as I grew up some more obviously like I kind of started to get a sense of of like where we were as a family and started to think things like oh when are we gonna come back and um, you know like how, how long are we gonna be here and and stuff like that and then like every and then after a while just kind of I guess accepted that we were just gonna be here for a while, um, which was which was fine with me. But we didn't actually come back for 11 years. So I left when I was in the second grade, and we didn't come back until my second year of college. Uh, so coming wow. back, yeah, yeah, very long time. So coming back was, I guess, like a huge, huge shock to me. Like while things were. Like oh hey like I remember this um, at the same time was also like damn I don't I don't remember that <laughs> you know <laughs> before like the big return back home it was just me me growing up and like trying to figure myself out I was in I was in color guard for six years of high school and I think I think color guard is actually where a lot of a lot of my roots today stemmed from um, what happened um, well because Color Guard is just a very... Do you know what Color Guard is? No, I don't. Okay. Do you... So, like, uh, have you seen, like, in marching band, um, like, what were, like, there's, like, flags and, like, rifles and sabers that kind of, like, go with the, the visual effects of, a, like, a marching band show? That's yeah. that's what that, that's what I did. Um, okay. And, and then we had, we had a season apart from the band as well, where it was just us. But trainings and practices were very intense. Because um, we were very, we were very, a very high class team. Practices were very intense. Instructors, instructors were hard on us, but in a in a good way. And like a lot of like rules and guidelines were just very, very strict and like on the dot. So that's how I learned how to be on time. <laughs> I learned how to like you know get my shit together when I needed to. <laughs> kind of where I learned how to just you know, not give up when the going gets tough. Yeah. Like there, there were definitely a lot of moments there where I thought, wow, this is really hard. And, um, over time, um, like what were those moments? Just moments like not getting, like not getting choreography, right. Or like, you know, like constantly messing up or like not feeling like I was good enough, like for, for the, 
like for the instructors or for the team. And I also, I guess, struggled with um, fitting in to the team. I actually felt like I hung out with the band kids more mm-hmm. uh, just because like our my, my personality is just so different from, I guess, like a typical color guard <laughs> person. What, what is the... <laughs> What is like a typical color guard personality? And also like one team that I kind of hear reoccurring is that team of fitting in. Because even when you came at eight years old, like you still had to like kind of learn how to fit in. And then now at color guard, you also had to learn. So like, how did you go about that? And when it was hard to kind of like be like the other kids, what, what you know, what did you do? Yeah, I... I mean, I just, I don't know. I always felt that I was different from from everyone. Like, like I was, I grew up very, very tomboyish. And a lot of, um, a lot of the team is very like, I guess like girly or, you know, just was kind of more in, on that kind of side. And it just wasn't really my thing. So I guess I just, I don't know. I tried to, I just tried to be me as much as I could and just like try to, find and and attract people that were kind of like me as well because like I just I I find that the the harder I tried to fit into something that I knew I really wasn't a part of like I just didn't feel like myself and it was it's just exhausting (laughs) (laughs) so like I just I'm just gonna do me if I'm alone that's fine that I think that's kind of where um, where I kind of started feeling like that as well. Um, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm also a Leo, so I just have that very like independent side. Yeah, because I mean, when you are trying to fit in, you're basically not being yourself. It's like you're trying to like be like a fake version of someone else, right? Right. And I mean, that that's where everything kind of starts to go downhill from there. And right. so w- one thing I, I remember you were sharing uh, before was, the fact that you you had, I guess, let's call it demons that, you know, that were sometimes preventing you from being your best self. And also you went through like a good then toxic relationship that kind of ended up shaping how your teenage years turned out. Can you kind of dive into that and kind of work us through the process of how, you know, you went through that challenge mm-hmm. and eventually came out of it? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of my, um, my, my inner demons actually started around like around color guard as well with the whole feeling like I'm not good enough and just, just felt like, and anything that I did just was never enough, like either for myself or for, um, for the team, uh, for the instructors. And then with the, I had, had where was that coming from? Or was that feeling like, I don't know, were you having like personal issues in your personal life or like, was it your grades at school? Like what made, what gave you that feeling uh, at first? No, my grades were fine at school. I I actually did uh, pretty well, but I think, I I guess I had something to do with, uh, with my personal life as well. Like in my teenage years, I felt like I became distant from my family. It wasn't the best wasn't in the best relationship with my parents also again with a feeling of um not being enough just because they were they were very they were very hard on me as a kid and like always you know pushed me to like do well at school and and all that and 
um, I was I was distant from my sister just because of of our age difference. Um, so like if I, I was in high school and she was still like in elementary school. Um, so I, I felt like we couldn't really connect that well at the time. Um, so I guess like being distant from my family kind of like stemmed into that. And then um, the, uh, the relationships that I had um, while I felt like or where I felt that I needed support the most, I wasn't getting it. Um, and that kind of just kept fueling uh, everything in inside my head. I started, or so I kind of kept thinking like, I was just on my own kind of thing. Like I was just left to do everything on my own. And when when you feel like you're on your own, you kind of just enclose yourself in this in this box and and just kind of like continue to think that way. Overthinking happens and sometimes like you think things that probably aren't even true. Um, specific thoughts like, oh, like, um, like these people don't care about me. Um, and like, like it probably wouldn't even make a difference if I wasn't here kind of thing. Um, so I get that's kind of like, or like, you know, you know, stuff like that. Like if they had one less member of the team, it probably wouldn't matter. Like, yeah, you know, stuff like that. And I think that's kind of what started uh, prompting me to like go through like myself harming habits that I used to have. Um, and like for, for a while, it was like an on and off kind of thing. Um, where like I thought I thought I was fine, and then I would go back, and then it was just kind of like a back and forth cycle. Um, For how long then, was that going on? Um, I would say, like from like late freshman year to maybe like junior, like early to mid junior year of high school. Uh, no, I didn't. I don't really tell a lot of people, but um, my best friend at least like knew I would. Or, like kind of like felt that I was not okay. Um, so you were kind of not opening up to like even your mom or your people close to you? Like you were keeping uh, everything inside? Yeah, I, I I wasn't very confrontational back then. I, I avoided confrontation as much as I could and I just didn't know how to like, I guess like talk, talk like that. Um, And, and that's that's why like I kind of used a self-harm as like a coping mechanism uh, I used to um, it just like I felt like it was the one thing I could control like mm. one thing I could do to myself that I can control in in a sense um, which I know isn't isn't good at all um, but I you know I eventually I eventually got out of it um, when I when I got into my my second relationship and it was kind of like a uh, like I, I I felt close enough to him to tell him what I was going through and he kind of like made it like a trade-off because he was kind of going through some personal thing of his own as well so it was kind of like it hey like if you stop this I'll stop this and we'll just keep each other accountable kind of thing so that that person kind of became Like it was basically the two of you in your world. Like you had at least someone to share something with, and mm -hmm. you guys were helping each other through the struggle. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so we were kind of so that so that um, that helped a lot actually, like having um, someone who kind of understands the same level of I guess like internal conflict that I was feeling. Um, So we were able to kind of like help bring each other out of it. It seems like all of this stem from like a deeper need to matter because it's like and have control over your life because now that I'm kind of looking at the timeline it's like you you know you left Philippines without your consent obviously your parents it was hard for them to kind of ask you do you want to leave and all that but you didn't have control over that so you just went to a new country then mm-hmm. a, the need to matter again when you were in color grade were you were like, oh, if I'm not here, you know, things are still, I'm just like another cog in a, in a wheel kind of thing where if I'm not here, it's going to be the same as if I'm here. So why be here anyway? Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that a lot of us, you know, we go through that. It's like, you know, no one wants to be just one other person. And so from that, it seems like now when I look at where you are today, Mm-hmm. You're a filmmaker, and obviously, as a filmmaker, you're changing culture. You're sharing stories that impact people, and you're making change that matters. So mm-hmm. it seems like you know you use that uh, kind of downhill, you know, challenge of uh, like a, a need to matter and being being the true version of yourself to then come out of, on the other side and be someone who's actually making change and helping people hopefully through your art which mm-hmm. is making film mm-hmm. so like how did you i know you mentioned that uh, one key person was your boyfriend at the time mm-hmm. but what other things you know helped you grow and go out on the other side because i'm sure you know someone listening to this may be going through something as well someone you know people we all have our times when we are down but like what were Beside, you know, your boyfriend, what were some other things that made you know that, yes, there is light at the end of the tunnel? Right, right. Um, so there is actually um, a friend, a friend of mine in, in class. Um, uh, one day I I told I for some reason, I don't know, I just kind of opened up to him about um, myself, harm and what I was doing in that. Um, it was one of those like on and off things where I thought I was off and then suddenly I was on again and I told him about it. And then after, uh, this was like the beginning of class. And then after class, um, my teacher said that I was being called to the counselor's office. Um, and apparently that wow. friend had, yeah, that friend had actually reported it. Um, so How did you feel about that? It was at first, well, at first I was kind of shocked. Um, I wasn't really mad, um, but also kind of shocked again with the whole like feeling like I'm not in control kind of yeah. thing. Um, so I was like, wow, he actually did that. And then um, obviously like while I was in the, while I was in uh, the counselor's office, like they said they were going to tell my parents um, and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I was like not ready for. I did not expect 
that day to go the way that it did. <laughs> so I was like, luckily I had practice that day too. So I was like, man, the one time I wished practice never ended. <laughs> I had to go home to this. <laughs> um, and then I, I finally went home and, you know, the, told told my mom about it and then that was the initial like final like opening up thing that needed to happen for a while um but you had a conversation with your with both of your parents when that happened it was mostly my mom um she just kind of like told she told me how like hurt she was that I was doing that and then also kind of went on I went on to explain like why I was doing it Um, and then I guess like from there, from there, I definitely noticed our relationship get stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like I felt like I could, you know, I could open up to her about anything. Like if she knew that, like I felt like, you know, I could tell her anything. Yeah. Um, so that, that definitely helped. And then like having. So it seems like she was receptive to, to you. Mm-hmm. And she, she's kind of like. Or, like, realize, oh, like, you know, like, my my daughter is doing this and, like, I just, you know, I want to know why. And that was the first time I felt like I wasn't being, like, judged Mm -hmm. so much by her. That was really nice. And just, you know, like, having my best friend as um, support also helped. And then just growing up a little bit, honestly. And then, like, in, in Color Guard, I started you know my, my skill sets were getting better like the the moment I realized like I was getting better and you know, I was making like the harder lines or like I was like auditioning for like the harder parts of of the show and I was making that like that's when I kind of realized in myself like oh hey like I can I can do this like I'm good and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who's on the team and like I actually all the more like fell in love with performing and just like the sport in its own. And I didn't, I definitely didn't finish with the same people that I started with. I felt like that had influence over me for a little bit. because I was like, wow, like all my friends are quitting. (laughs) Um, But after, or like when, or by the time I had gotten to my senior year, I, I already knew I was good. I already knew like I loved, performing and like the sport and like I thought like I didn't I didn't care who was on the team like I just I just <laughs> want to do this you know <laughs> yeah so you didn't have that you know need to fit in anymore it was like I'm gonna do this for myself mm-hmm, exactly I love it so after uh, that whole thing happened and you decided to then that was that was in high school when that this was happened. in high school yeah okay so after this you went to college and Were, were you kind of clear on your path forward? Like, were you always sure that you were going to be a filmmaker? Or like, what, what was next? What happened for you? Yeah, I was I was definitely set on being a filmmaker. Um, I just was, I wasn't the most clear on it going in. I just knew that like, I wanted to do it and I was going to do whatever, whatever I needed to do to get there. And mm-hmm. For the first for the first couple years of college, um, my you know my my parents obviously you know Asian parents 
are not the most excited <laughs> about <laughs> that kind of major selection. <laughs> uh, so even even though like I had you know like film film and media studies as as my major, like every so often they'll be like, oh why don't you take up a, a double major in business or you know what a minor in this or, or something um, just, just because they wanted something else. Yeah. I just I was. No, I was adamant on it and just said, no, if I take up something else, I'll just take longer to graduate and I don't want to be in school for that long. <laughs> um, so I just I just kept doing my thing, even though there was some resistance on that side and like okay. eventually like just like found or like started finding my way, making connections and like collaborating with people and then just like building my network. Okay. Uh, throughout college one thing I, I want to i want you to share if possible is like after going through that experience of like you know the challenge and going out of it what were if you could uh, pick three principles to share that could help someone what were some of the key learnings that you gained from that yeah i would say just remember that if you don't matter to someone you definitely matter to someone else hmm. and before you matter to someone else, you have to matter to yourself first. Wow, I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and realize that, like you, like you are like your own entity, and it doesn't matter what other people think. Like I think, like for me, like when I realized, like I loved what I was doing, nothing else mattered. So I guess it's just a matter of like finding your passion your thoughts and like your actions are going to go to something else. It's going to go towards whatever you're doing. And I think that's what pulled me out of it. It's like when I realized like I loved what I was doing, I also started playing music a lot more. Um, I was, uh, I started playing guitar when I was a freshman. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I was going through like my dark times, music helped me um, through a lot of that. And I, I was um, writing my own songs as well. Um, so when I realized that like I was good at color guard and I loved music, I just like fueled my, um, my energy to that. And then suddenly like the self-harm didn't matter. And like the negative thoughts didn't matter anymore. Cause now like I found something that I could invest my time in better. That'll make me a better person. Gotcha. So like, I guess if I was to rephrase so one thing, two things I'm, get, I'm getting now is if you don't matter to someone, you will matter to someone else. And you, before you matter to someone else, you have to matter to yourself first. Mm -hmm. I guess I would see that as like one principle. And the second one is like, find something you could lose yourself into. It's like a passion or a craft mm -hmm. that you kind of build and develop mm -hmm. and that you kind of, that will help you also find your purpose, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now uh, on the topic of, you know, people that matter, who were, so what are some of the people that, you know, you looked up to when you were growing up and like, who are the people you are grateful for? Definitely. Uh, I looked up to some, some upperclassmen in, in my team just because of their, um, their skill sets and, and their work ethic. And they were just ni nice people to be around. Um, I, there's a, a teacher that I, I looked up to uh, my senior year um, that he's a very like, 
loud, <laughs> I guess, and kind of um, not uh, no filter, kind of doesn't really care what uh, what other people think, kind of thing. And yeah. I, I look I, I looked up to him a lot. Like after that conversation with my mom, like now I I look up to her a lot too. She's very very strong and like independent woman and like she holds this family together honestly so i definitely look up to her for that and i'm just i'm grateful for the people that i have now um you know still i'm grateful that that, like my sister and i grew up a little bit she and i are actually closer than we were um when when we were kids um so i'm grateful for that like she and i are like totally different and I thought that like we would never be as close as we are now um so I'm grateful grateful for that grateful for the new relationship that I have Um, and he's he's a creative as well we actually met on set so uh and like he he and I are, are a lot alike and like understand each other so I'm very grateful for for that that love and appreciation I still have still have my best friend um, that was kind of going through all that with me. We're still we're still friends today. Yeah, I'm grateful for like all my other creative friends as well. Um, I'm grateful that like I can or that I now have like different networks and yeah. like, different different kinds of social circles that I now feel like are all the more like support systems, you know, and now. It's cool because it's like I can have a, a different kind of support system for like different kinds of things. Yeah. So it's not just like one person that I constantly go to. It's like I yeah. I can be I can be flexible. Yeah. It. You have like like they say that's the difference between you know having a, a community and like one key person. It's like you have a community. You have different mm-hmm. people that you can go to. Mm-hmm. I love it. And one last question I have for you is when you're 80 years old and looking back at your life what will make you say that hey paddy your life was successful and you could maybe look back to that girl who was singing in philippines and tell her that hey you did a good job what would be that thing um well as i as i am a filmmaker um i i like to tell stories i became a filmmaker so i could um, i could tell stories that um that would impact people um, and all I ever want to be is an inspiration to others. So if I could be 80 and say that my stories impacted other people, then that that's, that's successful enough for me. Um, there's a lot of stories that still need to be told, especially, um, from, you know, from people, people like me, like people and like, you know, just like people of color um, who don't get as much attention in, in the media. Um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stories and just, you know, like organic richness that that we don't typically see. So that's that's what I want to show. I actually want to make a movie about Color Guard as well, just because like a lot of a lot of people don't know about it. And I already have a script, so that that'll oh, wow, just really? yeah. <laughs> I wrote it during my senior year of college, um, so that'll just be you know something something down the line um, when production starts back up again and <laughs> uh, get a budget for it. But 
that that's what I want to do. I just I want to tell stories that people don't know about. Uh, okay, I mean, well, Patricia, you know, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. You know, you want to tell stories that impact people. I think your story is a story that will also impact people. So thank you for sharing that with us. You've been through many challenges, and what I love is like you were able to like focus on the bright side and obviously you had people help you and that made you a better person and for that you know i thank you for being so open and genuine with us and thank you for being on the show uh if someone from the audience wants to reach out to you what is your best way to get in touch thank you so much for having me this is a lot of fun they can find me on instagram um patty at patty melt p-a-t-t-i-e underscore melt Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that that'll that'll be the easiest way um or they can they can send me an email as well um which is also um through my instagram uh patricia okay. patricia.esgara17 at gmail.com okay perfect i will make sure to add that to the notes of the show sure sure thank you thank you thank you very much for listening If you have a question about a previous episode or if you would like to share something positive, I would really, really love to hear from you. So you can go to speakpipe.com slash T-P-O-G-I. That is S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot com slash T-P-O-G-I. Thank you very much.